for a message and Allah knows best what he reveals they say thou art only a forger nay most of them know not this is chapter 16 verse 101 and the other verse that I want to recite to you is the often recited verse of the Holy Quran from uh, Surah Fatiha. Not the path of those upon whom your anger is brought down. Or those who go astray. The verse that I first recited is one of the verses used to support a theory called the theory of abrogation. And uh, the second verse I recited to you is actually describing the opposite of what I spoke about last week, which was, guide us on the right path. This theory of abrogation that uh, was, and really it is still very popular in many places, like India and Pakistan, is akin to walking the path of those who have gone astray. It is an extremely dangerous belief and really it can be used to uh, justify anything or any action. And in fact there, there are actually contradictions there of, of two types. Um, uh, one are, of course, contradictions between belief and action, and the other ones are the so-called perceived uh, contradictions in the verses of the Holy Quran. And I was reminded of this by two events. I was uh, uh, driving somewhere and uh, BBC has a Radio Asia and I was listening to that and it has some very interesting discussions. And one of them related to the fact that uh, the Holy Quran forbids Muslims to uh, take intoxicants but 
the use of shisha, which is again a drug, is very prevalent amongst the Muslim youth. And in fact the largest number, the BBC did a survey and they found that the largest number of youth, young people using shisha are British Muslims. And they were wondering about this contradiction between what the Quran teaches, which is intoxicants are forbidden, and what the Muslim youth are saying. And they are saying that uh, there is no harm in that because the Quran only speaks about uh, uh, alcohol. Well, actually, strictly speaking, the, the Holy Quran only speaks about wine. So I guess beer would be halal and so would be vodka and I don't know, whatever else things are made which are not made from uh, uh, grapes, which is not fermented grape juice. And of course then you could have a discussion whether um, it is the red wine or the white wine that is haram and the other one is, is halal because whichever one it was that was available at the time of the, the Holy Prophet. But I mean these things these contradictions make a mockery of the religion of Islam. And what they point to is the fact that Muslims latch on to some little part of a hadith or a chapter of the Holy Quran without understanding the whole of it. And this one verse is an example and uh, it's used to say that, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, what the Holy Quran is saying here, that uh, something is abrogated and then they, they, from the Holy Quran and then, the God, then God, uh, Allah, reveals a new verse to replace what it had already uh, revealed. Uh, I mean, I can't understand why God would have to reveal one verse and only to reveal it six months or one year or five years later. I mean, for God's sake, American Constitution has had less amendments to it than the number of verses people say are abrogated from the, uh, from the Holy Quran. But I mean, if you take this verse that I recited, this verse was revealed in Makkah. All the verses which uh, Muslims say are abrogated and, 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 and replaced and so on, were revealed in Medina. How could the Holy Quran say that you're going to, uh, uh, I'm going to abrogate things even before they, before they're revealed? I mean, how nonsensical is it that God is saying in Makkah, I'm going to reveal something and then I'm going to abrogate it and I'm going to reveal something, replace it. Something that hasn't happened. One would say, please God, why don't you reveal the second verse to start off with, so that you don't have to go around, you know, uh, repealing things and abolishing things. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the other verse, let, let me briefly say about the other verse. There's another verse in the Holy Quran uh, which says, uh, whatever we uh, cause to be forgotten or lost, we reveal something that is better. 
and uh, that is used to uh, justify abrogation by saying that uh, you know the uh, uh, holy prophet would forget some words and then God would reveal uh, uh, another verse. I mean, again, this is as puzzling as the first argument. First of all, the Holy Quran says to the Holy Prophet, you know, you never forget anything that we have revealed to you. So that God is telling us that the Holy Prophet, the Prophet never forgot anything that was revealed to him by way of what we find in the Holy Quran. But then, if we take this, this, this argument at face value, whatever you forget, we reveal something else. But why not reveal what was forgotten? Why do you have to reveal something new? How does that make sense? How do you justify that against the fact that the Holy Prophet made sure as soon as he received a revelation, it was written down? How do you justify the fact that as soon as the revelation was written, the Holy Prophet called so many of his companions and recited it to them and asked them to commit it to memory and make sure that, you know, were, these chapters were uh, uh, recited over and over again during prayers so that uh, they weren't forgotten. So how, do, how do you, uh, you know, uh, resolve this, this uh, contradiction? Um, but you see, again, the companions of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, they didn't look at bits of the Holy Quran. They didn't look at bits of the Hadith. They looked at the whole teaching as it was sent down by the Holy Prophet, uh, by Allah to the Holy Prophet. I'll give you one example. There is the famous so-called the verse of the sword, and uh, I think it, it goes something like, uh, uh, wherever you find them, kill them, referring to non-Muslims. And it is said that that verse of the Holy Quran actually abrogates something like 120 verses of the Holy Quran, which speak about mercy and kindness uh, and there being no compulsion in religion, etc. Now let me ask you, if I went to the court and my opponent said, Sir, this law says this. And I said, Sir, and I recited 120 other clauses from law which contradicted what he said. Who would the judge believe? The person who recited one clause from a section of the law, or the person who recited 120 of them? Where is the overwhelming evidence? But let's take it another way. When Hazrat Abu Bakr sent the army uh, out, this is immediately after the Holy Prophet Muhammad had passed away, he gave them certain instructions. Number one, do not kill old men. Number two, do not kill women. Number three, do not kill children. Number four, do not kill any non-competent. Anyone who is not fighting, do not kill them. Number five, do not cut down trees. Number six, do not destroy crops. And the list goes on. 
I related these to you off the top of my head. Now, how do you square the circle between the Holy Quran saying, kill them wherever you find them? There's no condition by age, gender, whether they're fighting or not fighting. Kill them wherever you find them. And Hazrat Abu Bakr saying, do not kill old men or old people. Do not kill women. Do not kill children. Even going on to say, do not kill those who are non-competent. How do you just do Well, the reason is that Hazrat Abu Bakr understood and took the teaching of the Holy Quran in its entirety. He didn't pick on one verse. What the Holy Quran said was, there have been peace treaties, they breached them, they tried to stab you in the back when you were attacked. Rather than support you, they didn't even sit by neutrally. They tried to stab you in the back. Fighting has started. Once you're on the battlefield and someone is attacking you, wherever he is, you've got to defend yourself, even if it means that you've got to kill him. But if they're not fighting, then you don't. And this is what Hazrat Abu Bakr is, is, is doing and, and saying. And uh, the danger of this uh, uh, theory of abrogation is this. I, I was doing some research uh, in relation to uh, uh, a case um, that uh, we have pending in, in, in the court. And uh, it's to do with marriages between Muslims and non-Muslims, basically a family law case. And uh, I needed an expert opinion on something. And I came across this opinion by a scholar. He has a PhD from the United States. He is a member of the Sharia Council in Islamabad. He is a lawyer. Yeah, referring to the verse of the Holy Quran that says that you can marry pious women from people of the book, he said, this verse has been abrogated. This was the first time that I came across this argument that this verse of the Holy Quran, which allows Muslim, Muslim, Muslim men to marry pious non-Muslim women has been abrogated. And what's his justification? What is, he just says, well, they might lead your children astray. This is why this verse is abrogated. Did you have a hadith? No. Do you have something from the Quran? No. And this points to the danger. Just like I said earlier on, when you talk about intoxicants, if you limit it, the danger is that people say, well, heroin is not mentioned in the Holy Quran, shisha is not mentioned in the, in the Holy Quran, cocaine is not mentioned in the, in the Holy Quran. Now that's okay, we can take those. It's just the fermented juice of grape that we need to uh, uh, avoid. And would you believe it? Until late 60s, this was what Muslims believed that only wine and brandy were haram, were forbidden, all the other alcoholics, all, uh, alcoholic drinks were allowed. 
And I remember reading, there used to be a, a weekly paper called Mushrik, and with astonishment I remember reading, and this was in late 60s, uh, that uh, there was a meeting of the ulama in Malaysia, and they decided that beer uh, uh, was haram and Muslims should uh, drink beer. And we have worse after worse. Imam Sayyuti, he says, Muslims say hundreds of verses of the Holy Quran were appropriate. In fact, Shah Waliullah says thousands. But Imam Sayyuti said 512 verses of the Holy Quran are regarded by Muslims as uh, being appropriate. As I said to you, look at the American Constitution. How many amendments have been to that constitution? There's only been about four in 250 years. And that was made by men, human beings, people like you and me sitting round a table. So they, those six or seven men were obviously wiser, according to this argument. They were wiser than God, because what they created only needed five or six amendments in 250 years. But what God was revealing, needed to be amended as it went on, within months, within a few years, in less than a decade, you had these verses being revealed and abrogated and new verses uh, taking, uh, taking their place. And then the question is, who is to decide what is abrogated? Imam Sayyuti says, 500 Muslims say 512 verses of the Holy Quran uh, are abrogated. And he then analyzes them and goes through the whole list. And he says, no, 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 yes, no, 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 yes. And he ends up with 21. And I reckon 21 verses of the Holy Quran are abrogated. Hazrat Shah Waliullah goes through the list of those 21. And Hazrat Shah Waliullah in Fazul Kabir actually writes that if you are to go by the definitions, of these people, then no verse of the Holy Quran is safe from abrogation. You can argue any, just like this man has done. Suddenly he's got it into his head that what the Quran has allowed, I don't like it. I don't like Muslims having a Christian wife or a Jewish wife or whatever, because Muslims are particularly allergic to someone having a Jewish wife. Um, people even started arguing with, with Zahir in Pakistan when he said that the Holy Prophet had two uh, wives who were Jewish and people became very angry and said, no, 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 how could the Holy Prophet marry a Jewess and so on. But anyway, be that uh, as it may. So Hazrat Shah goes through this list of 21 verses that Imam Sayyuti says uh, are abrogated. And he says, not abrogated, not abrogated, not abrogated, not abrogated, not abrogated, and he reduces the number to five. But it's not that those five were abrogated. It's the fact that he had difficulty reconciling the two. And I'll give these examples over and over again, but I, I will repeat uh, the, the example. Uh, which, in, in my opinion, beautifully illustrates this. One verse of the Holy Quran says, "Every Muslim, it's the duty of every Muslim to have to write a will." 
Another, another verse of the Holy Quran gives if someone dies and leaves behind something, divide it in this way, with these proportions. And people say, well, the Quran has given the proportions, so the verse which says write a will is abrogated. No, it is not abrogated. In every country, under every legal system, you have two situations. One, when someone dies, they leave a will, and the state is divided in accordance with that will. The other condition, other situation is someone dies and does not leave a will. So what do you do when someone does not leave a will? British law sets out percentages. Wife will get this much, children will get this much, uncles will get this much, this one will get this much, that one will get this much. The Holy Quran is that exactly the same thing. All it's saying is all Muslims make a will. Someone don't. So rather than argue, it then set out proportions. Well, if someone doesn't leave a will, the two verses deal with two totally different situations. Nothing is abrogating anything else. And also, Muslims always forget the difference between the detailed instruction which needs to be followed at a particular time and the general principle which gave rise to that detail for that particular situation, for that particular context. This is why people think, oh, there is abrogation, there is contradiction. And again, I repeat an example that I uh, often give. And that is that the Holy Prophet, someone said, went to the Holy Prophet and said, I want to give away all my wealth to charity. And the Holy Prophet said, no. So he said half, he said no. He said, uh, you know, this amount, that amount. Eventually he said one third and the Holy Prophet said, yes, that's fine. You, not the whole of Muslim community. He didn't say all of the Muslims are forbidden to uh, give to charity more than one third. He said, you can give one third to charity and leave the rest for your family. And then the Holy Prophet Muhammad stated the principle that is to be followed. He said, there is no goodness, there is no piety, there is no holiness in giving away all your money to charity and leaving your own family destitute and dependent on them. That's the, the principle. Yesterday, uh, uh, I was chatting to someone and I said to him, look, Bill Gates is worth a hundred million dollars. If he gives ten billion dollars to his family and ninety billion dollars, which is ninety percent, ninety billion dollars in, in charity, do you think it's wrong? It's not wrong. Why? Because he is following the principle. There is no goodness in leaving your family destitute. Having 10 billion dollars, although it's only 10% of what he has, hardly makes anyone destitute. And there is verse after verse after verse of the Holy Quran that, that can, uh, 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 I can talk about. You know, the, you only punish people for adultery uh, if you... Uh, uh, or, or rape if they produce four eyewitnesses. But well, my view is, 
if there are four eyewitnesses, you should punish the person not for rape, for being so stupid as to commit this absolutely heinous act in front of four eyewitnesses. Who will do it in front of four eyewitnesses? That means every man will always get away with rape. Can anyone not see that? Does, not, does that not enter, enter anyone's brain? Who will do it in front of four eyewitnesses? No one. Why would four witnesses just stand and, and And the other point is, and the other point is, those eyewitnesses are going to stand around and take notes. 9.30 this happened, 9.35 this happened, 9.45 this happened, 9.50 he then left. Why would they not give the woman a hand and protect her and save her from being raped? What, what, what kind of logic is this? I mean, one subject that Muslims are always taught, Ulama are always taught in their madrasas and so on, is logic. Does that make sense to anyone that these four men or women stand around, they don't run and go and get help, they don't help her, they don't do anything, they are waiting as witnesses for the police to arrive and so they can give them a list. Ah, look, you know, I made a schedule while I was waiting and witnessing this. What is wrong with people? I do not understand what is wrong with people. And it's this sort of lack of attitude and understanding of the overall message of the Holy Quran that is leading to these nonsensical uh, uh, conclusions. And this is, in my opinion, what the Holy Quran says when it says, those who are led astray, we have been led astray when we say these things. So today is uh, uh, Friday. Let us pray that God keeps everyone safe and sound and free from harm and also give our Muslim brothers and sisters the wisdom to understand the whole of the Holy Quran and understand its full message in its context and not pick bits and pieces. Because if you're going to pick bits and pieces, you can prove anything. I can prove to you to be a Muslim, you have to be an atheist because to be a Muslim you say, La ilaha, there is no God. Well, I've proven it. And this is the sort of silliness picking and choosing is going to lead to. So let us pray that God give us the wisdom to understand the message of the Holy Quran and to follow it and keep everyone, regardless of nationality, caste, creed, color, safe and sound and free from harm.